It's a bad day in the neighborhood. Oh man, isn't it? When my dick is soft and it don't work good. <laughs> Dude, before before you before I went and picked you up, <laughs> I was listening to the radio and I was like had this idea. I was thinking about um like a country singer who uh writes songs about grant writing about the nonprofit industry. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> like uh this is something I just came off of with the top of my head. The first time that I saw you, you were walking through that door. You had a laptop under your arm and I thought you were a bore. <laughs> Dropped your now gene on the floor. <laughs> then you started writing some grants and we got a ballpark and some fancy pants. <laughs> <laughs> if you gotta get out of bed then you ain't living a dream. That song's really stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be like, wait, he did that one last week. Well, we got a request to see more Sturgill, so I'm just fulfilling the request. Let's see if we can manipulate one of his other songs. Uh, Grant Farm. Um, let's see what would be a good one. Grant Farm. Just oh, yeah. sounds nasty. <laughs> uh, yeah. Grant Farm. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I, got I can't it. log into the grant online grant portal. Well, the woman I love is named Hillary. <laughs> uh, shit. How's that song? How's Snake Farm go? I forget. Oh, I can't remember the verses, but it's like. Well, the woman I love is named Ramona. She kind of looks like Tempest Storm. And let's see. Who falls down when they dance? James Brown? He does that like I mean, but like who like kind of like does anybody ever fallen? Anyway, what do you mean? Like I should uh, went to the drawing board on this before we started. <laughs> <laughs> I could have. I needed to write it out instead of going off the top of my head. Oh, I can't log into the grand portal because I forgot my password. <laughs> Could you please send it to me? Oh, I forgot. It has 69 in it. <laughs> oh, I'm a professional. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Had an embarrassing password and had to somebody reset it? Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, no. No, I don't do embarrassing passwords. <laughs> the... <laughs> What are you talking about? All of our Trimble's <laughs> passwords are, are, Don't tell are anybody. lewd. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> that is a funny bit that it's a recurring bit between me and you that we can never tell the people. Well, I guess we could just change our passwords on everything, but our passwords for all of our stuff is probably the funniest bit oh, yeah. on the show. And <laughs> you will never hear it. Unless you're a hacker. <laughs> And good, too good. Yeah, it, that would be a funny idea, like ha hacking in our stuff just to find out what our funny password is, and then they'll just be like, "That's it." <laughs> I don't think I've they, been here six hours. <laughs> I don't think they understand it. No. Well, how do you hack a password now? I will we, say this, though. I will say this, though. Sixty nine is in our, is yeah, in our 69 is in the it password. It has been since day one. <laughs> 
But you've the only reason we're telling you that is because there's probably about thirty other letters in the goddamn password. Right, right. It's the longest password I've ever fucking had for anything. And um it's the most inside joke imaginable. Like nobody nobody would get it or care. Mm. Well, the woman I love is named Hillary. <laughs> she kind of looks like a vice principal, and uh, she can't dance because she uh, falls down a lot. She once ran for the president. President. Grant <laughs> Farm. Farm. <laughs> Grant Farm. <laughs> We're raising money for the poor people. Grant, Grant Farm. Farm. They getting, can't do get, it themselves. Getting green jobs. Grant Farm. <laughs> For a reptile house, <laughs> Grant Farm got a got a fun community mural, Grant Farm. <laughs> oh shit! Fuck me, man! Fuck me! All I've ever done in my life is try to help people. Is this the, dude? There's a, is this speaker piece? Yeah. So there's a. I didn't get to finish reading all of them and, and, and finding them. This is a little bit of a laid-back episode, folks. We've got no... We had you wound up last couple of weeks. We're going <laughs> to unwind you a little bit. <laughs> we got nothing planned. It's just, we're, you're just listening to two dudes hanging out. Just shooting the shit, hanging out. Two dudes. Two guys. Dudes man. being guys. Dudes being guys. <laughs> all I've ever done in my life is try to help people. And then someone comes out here the other night and keys my damn car. <laughs> I'd never do that to somebody else. There's one, um, and maybe you want to build up to it, but there's one that I circled. I think I even put a star next to it. Is there is there one with a star next to it? No. I didn't star anything? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you did, you did. It's, probably, it's one of, it is a, like, Moby Dick of we'll, speaker we'll, pieces. We'll close with that one. It, it is a masterpiece. And I didn't even get to read all of it. Because I was waiting for you. Holy shit. Is it true that our nativity scene won't have any Jews, Africans, Arabs, or immigrants? I, that will just leave a jackass and some sheep. <laughs> I have no idea what that was about. I think that's, I think that's, um, I think that's all lives matter. You think it is? Maybe. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell if it was like a, an advanced form of irony or... <laughs> Well, even racists acknowledge uh, the Judaism of Christ. It's everybody else's Judaism. They, That's true. They reject. Right? Isn't that the whole kind of sort of basis for, for some anti-Semitism is that, you know, that... Is that uh, why they burn... Is that the why the KKK burns crosses? I don't know. <laughs> I wonder why that is. No, that's probably just to say that we're here, we're Christian, look at us. <laughs> That's just a really flashy way yeah, of demonstrating. That's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the church I was raised in would have seen that as highly blasphemous. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. But these are insane people. Um, I wish the people in Whitco would pick their dogs up. I'm sick and tired of them getting in my yard every night getting into my garbage. I am not able to pick it up. <laughs> They need to put them up because if they don't, I swear I'm going to have my son kill them and haul them <laughs> off. This is nonsense. People, if these are your dogs, make sure you put them up and keep them out of my yard. I'm fed up with it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell you, that's a tree you do not want to bark up is the killing dog tree. <laughs> Fuck no, man. No. People will... Uh 
that's how you incur the wrath of somebody. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like a pet is just in that sweet spot where, like, like if you kill someone's brother, the law is going to get involved in the courts and everything, you know? Yeah. But if you kill someone's dog, that's where true vigilanteism. That's where, that's where <laughs> old school... Sicilian style vendettas <laughs> are played out. Exactly. I'll tell you how we get rid of this Nazi problem is we sick the pit bull lobby on them. Yeah. We have to start a rumor <laughs> that all alt right proud boys, Nazis, all of them like to put antifreeze on bologna and feed it to pit bulls. <laughs> You're right. That will take care of the Nazi yeah. problem in record Dude, time. You are absolutely. My man it's over like, here. It's like, man, God, to get in the damn Proud Boys, you got to fucking poison a pimple. <laughs> that, that shit's fucked up, man. What the fuck opinion. did you say, bro? Are you serious? Damn, man. Hey. <laughs> That's just what I heard. Oh, oh hell. <clears throat> I support Mr. Trump. He might be too rough around the edges for some people, but the people who appreciate what he has accomplished... I don't really care how he words his sentences. <laughs> I believe he was prepared from birth to be the president at this time. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, this goes off the rails. Oh, Starting fuck. with his Scottish grandmother. Damn, I didn't circle this one. Who taught him about our Christian heritage. Whoa. Dude, that is something I have not heard yet, that Trump was prepared... At birth, <laughs> it was it was man. Let me tell you a hallmark of of sort of apocalyptic evangelical Christianity. And I'm, I might be preaching to the choir here, but the phrase like I, I used to hear in church all the time: Christ was was um, crucified before the foundation of the earth, which is like not true. You know, we don't know any of that stuff. But the point they're what trying to make mean? is like. Trying to make some sort of weird cosmic predestination point about oh, that. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So, like, everybody thinks that Trump has just been <laughs> preordained by the hand of God, a fucking, fucking bumbling Queens guy <laughs> that would be uh, would be be running a goddamn off track betting this, business if he wasn't a plutocrat. This guy who um, the funniest Trump thing that happened in the last few weeks was him cl- climbing the stairs up to the plane. And just being like, fuck it, with his umbrella. <laughs> that dude, dude, I'm telling That's you. That's your savior who was prepared from birth. <laughs> yeah. It's also like people all the time talk, like, I don't know, you've been on a job site and like these good old boys will fuck with you a little bit if you don't know how to use a tool or totally, something. Totally, totally. And it's like, your guy's the guy that can't close a goddamn umbrella? <laughs> Doesn't know, because he's never had to. He also can't close deals. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Shit, man. Roasted his ass. Also, also Scottish grandmother. Taught, oh, yeah, the famous uh, Christian heritage, the Scottish heritage. <laughs> that is true. Uh, you're fucking what, what pagan, is that about? fucking bog-trotting what? witches like Why a couple hundred years ago. the Scottish identity synonymous with the Christian identity? Yeah, the, uh, first thing I think of when I think of Christianity is the Scots. The Scottish people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. Okay, wait. He was born into privilege, but we can't hold that against him. Yeah, actually, we can. Yeah, we can. <laughs> he learned about the world and its institutions and industries from top to bottom, which allows him to function with confidence on the world stage. God bless you, Mr. Trump. Thank you. 
Does that Jezebel from May King area who's seeing two or three different guys drive an old car? I believe that's the real hemp hill hooker. <laughs> that's tight. <clears throat> the 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 using the name Jezebel for a salacious person or uh, anything is really goddamn funny right. because the name Jezebel is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't think they realize how badass it actually. It's sounds. also a biblical name. Totally. You should name your daughters that. <laughs> You know, people all the time point that out. It's like, oh, yeah, I've named my, my son Mark. It's a biblical it's name. It's a biblical. <laughs> so nine, it's actually just super fucking common. I named my son Jesus. It's a biblical <laughs> yeah, it's name. It's a biblical name. What was mm. that? What's that for? That's from He Got Gay. Yeah, I've never seen He Got Gay. But he's like, Jesus Shuttlesworth. So like, why'd you name me that? He goes, it's a biblical name. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> I've never seen it. So what you're saying is I stole a joke from He Got Game just now. Inadvertently. Oh, fuck. They ran elections in eastern Kentucky. Way they run them in Florida, Georgia, and Texas would be the laughing stock of the country and front page news. But uh, I got something <laughs> yeah, I need to tell you. <laughs> I need to break something to you, my man. <laughs> but good on you. Good but on you for for staying in the pocket. I for think your we people. mentioned it on a recent episode, but the FBI recently. Or a few years ago was like East Kentucky is a full time job because full-time job. so many elections here are just rigged. Straight up. Straight up, yeah. For the last nineteen years I've had to put up with a certain smart mouth idiot. Well guess what, pal? There's a new sheriff coming in. You better get your hind in in gear. <laughs> it's my favorite hallmark of speak your piece is the thinly veiled anonymous threat. Totally and it varies from on the spectrum of like mild violence to death. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We have a guy that just put out a, a hit on dogs here. Totally, totally, totally. I find it completely disgusting that someone running for office is openly calling gay people derogatory names on the Facebook. I was I read this. I was wondering about this. I wonder who the fuck that is. You know who you are. <laughs> And I just answered it. (laughs) And I want you to know that people know what you said and what kind of person you are. How would you treat a gay person whom you would have power over in your elected position? I ain't got something to tell you, buddy. (laughs) Again. (laughs) I wonder who that is. Get with the times or get over it, bigot. Mm, I like that. Well said. (laughs) Well said. Get with the times or get over it, bigot. I'd like to give a friendly send-off to a wonderful lady who's going to the military. She's just great and super nice. Okay. <laughs> okay, now here we're going to get to the big dog. All right, read the start <laughs> The start speaker piece, because like I said, it is a narrative of Melvillian proportion. It is a, it is an American story uh, that really gets at our modern... Zeitgeist, and uh, I didn't actually read all of it, but I liked where it was heading. <laughs> so you left a little bit open at the end just to be surprised. Just to be surprised. Okay. <laughs> but I started reading, I was like, oh, hell yeah, baby. This is this is extremely my shit. The comment about how some people walk in late for church would apply to me. <laughs> but before people start judging and throwing those stones, just maybe there's a good reason some people are late. <laughs> In my case, most of the time, I'm lucky I get to go to church at all, much less late. I have to deal with a selfish and controlling person at home who hogs the bathroom for hours, (laughs) making it very hard to get dressed. 
Not only that, all through the week I have to cater to this person's every little whim and wish. <laughs> Listen to this person whine and complain endlessly. Never hear a complimentary word. Work like a dog and yet the person still isn't satisfied and a ton of other things. Every time I go to church, I ask for a message to help me understand this miserable person better because anybody who acts like that can't be a happy soul. At other times, I slip off at every opportunity I get to not only attend church but to visit friends, go for walks, or just sit on the creek bank meditating. So if I walk in a little late, thrilled to be in church, I'm glad for the chance to hear about a forgiving and loving God. Try living with a nagging, bragging potato chip eater who never sees the good in anybody, never says thank you, and doesn't even believe in the Holy Ghost. I like this closing. This is this is the best one I've ever read. Walk a mile in my shoes. Who among us has not lived with somebody that eats potato chips and doesn't believe in the Holy Ghost? Ghost. (laughs) Oh, shit. This must be what the scripture refers to when they say that the only unpardonable sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Just means you just sit on your couch eating potato chips. Oh, fuck, man. Denying the existence of the Holy Ghost. That's good shit. (laughs) Wow. And then, of course, I got to read the requisite shout-out to us this week. Oh, yeah, there is a shout-out to us. Thank you. Tanya, Terrence, and Tom. Thanks for always putting on a good show and moving the needle for the people. Thank you. God bless. (laughs) Whoever did that really has the speaker piece cadence down. You've got the... You've found the tone. Right, because thank you, God bless. Thank you, God bless should be the uh, name of our spinoff podcast. Thank you, God bless. Thank you, God bless. (laughs) Well, here, let's do this. Let's give everybody the Speak Your Peace number and the email address to do that. Totally. Send yours in, and uh, maybe we'll read them on the air. Yeah. Uh, the email address is M-T-N-E-A-G-L-E at B-E-L-L-S-O-U-T-H dot net. So it's Mountain Eagle at bellsouth.net but the mountain is just mtn mtn which is mtn eagle at bellsouth.net that's your classic east kentucky email address too bellsouth.net yeah oh that's that's (laughs) that means you got you got in on the ground floor of internet here, right like in the mid 90s like probably 98-ish yeah (laughs) and also also uh if you um aren't on a 90s uh mobile plan and you have long distance calling oh yeah <laughs> you can call 606-633-7508 from 9 a.m tuesday to 9 a.m on friday what i like to do when i submit speaker pieces and you know i haven't i haven't submitted a speaker piece in a long <laughs> was this, time was this shout out to us done by you <laughs> it was not Is that actually. what we're doing now you think I spelled my name wrong? <laughs> it's yeah, just to throw people off. <laughs> I just throw them off the seat yeah, a little bit. They'll never suspect. They'll never suspect me. I usually create like a burner account, but you know, that's just because I live in a small town and I don't want the editor to know that I'm submitting a speaker piece that's like highly inflammatory towards the people we know in our community and yeah. that he knows. So I usually create a burner account. Yeah. That's like Alexander 
Hamilton sixty nine at like <laughs> Gmail. Aaron Burr sixty nine four twenty. Usually I do at go Bell to South. I usually go to Yahoo. Yahoo's my go to for creating burner accounts. <laughs> yeah, that's true because nobody will believe you're still on Yahoo and totally, totally. Horace Greeley four twenty at <laughs> yahoo.com is a burner account I've submitted several um speak your pieces. Oh, <laughs> uh, so Horace again. <laughs> I don't even know who Horace Greeley is. It's one of those names from history that is stuck. Was he like a newspaper publisher or something in like the Gilded Era, <laughs> the uh, the Gilded Age? Let me go to the tape here. I have no idea, man. <clears throat> I should know that. I should know that. No fucking clue, my man. Oh, man. It's a bad day in neighborhood. Oh, he's the founder and editor of the New York Tribune. Oh, yes. Which is probably no longer in existence. And also an unsuccessful candidate for president with the Liberal Republican Party of 1872. He was beaten by Ulysses S. Grant. Interesting. What is the Liberal Republican Party? I, this, look, I feel like I have a pretty decent understanding of, you know, not the particulars of American history, but at least it's sort of contours and, and everything. This is literally the very first time I've ever even heard of the Liberal Republican Party. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. It was founded in 1870 and dissolved in 1872. <laughs> Probably the trajectory of our show here. <laughs> Probably, exactly. Oh, fuck, man. Well, um, that's pretty funny. Um, shit. So what's going on in the world? What kind of content did you bring me today? I didn't bring any content. I just was going to read. I'll tell you this, though. I, I do have some dispatches from my, my work retreat this weekend. How was your work retreat this weekend? It's uh, <laughs> it's interesting because I was on a... Um, and I won't Were mention, you on a panel? I was on a panel, but on a panel? I won't mention the particulars. My, man was, on where, a, my man was on a panel. And why and the people in charge. But let's just say one of the, the big bosses was in the building for my panel. <laughs> and afterwards one of the big bosses who is like sort of one of the liberal power brokers in this country just by virtue of their position mm-hmm. and does things like um um he, he probably texts obama probably yeah de- definitely but also <laughs> does stuff like uh in his prepared remarks he goes I was with a prominent environmentalist this weekend who <laughs> who shall remain nameless, but he used to be the vice president. <laughs> I should have just stood up and said, Spiro Agnew? Oh, so Al Gore? <laughs> yeah. <Just> totally different. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Well, so we're riding around in this little Sprinter van, and I'm taking him around to some of the um, sort of landmarks in the area we were at, and... That's my favorite shit. My favorite shit is when big wigs come, not, not like Republican big wigs. My favorite shit is when liberal big wigs come to East Kentucky and they're like, sure. Like one time uh, at this old organization I used to work for that shall also remain nam- nameless, I had to, <laughs> <laughs> the Democratic <laughs> Party. <laughs> well, that's why we need videos so people get that job. Right. Right. <laughs> I had to come up with a itinerary and travel agenda for what's the name of that lady who used to be the Secretary of Interior? Sally Jewel. Sally Jewel, yeah. Yeah. She actually didn't wind up coming. 
Um, she pulled the classic lazy. This is how. This is the funniest shit about the nonprofit liberal world. It's like, oh, Sally Jewel's gonna come and meet with us and see everything that's going on. She didn't even go that far. She was just like, um, let's just do a phone call. Let's just. Uh, how about y'all come to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this woman who is supposed to. Ostensibly, whose job is to overlook the protection of America's "quote unquote" natural resources, you know, like you would think would come to a place that has just been absolutely ravaged yeah. of their natural resources. <laughs> At least, just as a gesture, but she couldn't even do that. She was like, "Okay, can, can I they- got this thing <laughs> Thursday? I have a colonoscopy. Not- I, I, I don't want to reschedule it. You know. I've and let me had- tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this." And I just say this speaking from having kind of worked in events at the Clinton Foundation. Powerful people are not nearly as busy as you think they are. Oh, absolutely They do not. shit just to keep up appearances. They delegate all the actual, and this goes... Because if they were truly busy, the only time they're truly busy is when they're giving speeches for money. Totally, yeah. But like if they're just dropping into like St. Jude's Children's Hospital or some shit, <laughs> like that's totally of their own accord because they want people to pay attention to them and maybe drum up some press. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've, Bill Clinton's like, oh, I've not seen my name in the paper in a few weeks. I'll go visit some kids dying of leukemia. <laughs> right, absolutely. Totally. Um, so this person uh, was riding around and, and asking me what my... Um, takeaways were from from the midterms <laughs> oh baby so there's a couple of other people in in the club and i think they're just kind of like shouting me down the whole time yeah they're just like <laughs> they're just like just relax and i'm not saying anything controversial i was like well i was like my one thing that i thought was that i thought a lot of the candidates that were like shoe-ins you know the ojettas the iron stashes the whoever the fuck else I was like, those campaigns fell flat. So I was actually kind of giving them a softball because I was, I was, I was, I did it really just to see how entrenched like the liberal distaste for progressive populism is. Right, right. Like that kind of stuff. Well, they didn't take the bait on that one. But then they started talking about my man Beto. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, here's the thing everybody loves Beto, except Texas. Except Texas. <laughs> Dude, the thing, the weird. Anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's it's someone made a really good point on Twitter yesterday. There, there's nothing more to Beto's um, success, you know. And, and not, yeah, I lived in Texas for. I was born in Texas, lived there for six years in all. I was like, I feel like I'm pretty well plugged into its political. You're a Texan. I'm a Texan. <laughs> you are. I mean, it's just but, you, were, you were born there and spent a lot of time there. You were yeah. Texan. Yeah. So it's like. Um, you know, as for the state that it is, you know, I think he did pretty good. He almost won. But um, someone made a point that, like, there's nothing more to that than he's just really good and adept at social media. And that's that's what it is. He's just good. And and, and the, re- the way they pointed this out was with AOC was, like, fucking chopping onions or some dumb shit in her kitchen listening to, like, um, uh... Why am I blanking on her name? Who? Um, AOC? Yeah. Well, she, no, she was listening to, like, Beyonce or some shit. Anyways, everybody was like, oh, she's so down to earth. She's blah, blah, blah. And, and someone was like, people said th- this exact same thing about Beto. Like, politicians that are like, this is how, like, far the needle has moved in the opposite direction. That, like, any politician who's even, like, 
has even the semblances of a human being. Being yeah. like, because we all assume that like, like, <laughs> fucking Ted Cruz <laughs> exactly. has small children in his basement. He just goes and drinks their blood <laughs> periodically. We're so used to those kind of politicians that like anybody who's even remotely sort of genuine, people are like, oh yeah, oh my, and that's God. really what it came down to. Beto it didn't really have a whole lot to do with his policies or anything like he that. He just seems like an all right person, all right yeah. guy. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that's so and so. That's we're just like, and so that's why I think the liberal intelligentsia wants to like run people like that for president and stuff because they're like because they see another obama you know kind of yeah they Beto s- has serious obama vibes he's he's um you know relatable he's good looking approachable hot as fuck would suck his dick <laughs> lick his balls <laughs> <laughs> would like to get his shirt off and rub on his nipples a little bit <laughs> so this anyway this podcast is a Beto fanfic um Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you play that bass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you slap that bass, you slut. <laughs> um, so they were talking about, uh, they bait and switched me. I'll tell you what they did. So I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of shocked that Ojeda's message didn't play, you know, as well. You know, he's a former military guy and. He got dusted. Like it totally. wasn't. It he wasn't got, even close in that race. He got waxed. And if there was some guy I was going to point my finger to him and be like, "Oh, that motherfucker's a, a lock." Whoever holds that office needs to just fucking totally. And he got dusted. Um. So they were like asking like about like Amy. McGra- he asked about Amy McGrath that race with Andy Barr and all this stuff. And so all the like you know my supervisors and stuff were like. Yeah, we went door to door with her and she was great and all this stuff. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, she was fucking terrible. But I didn't, like, I, I held my tongue on Amy. Uh-uh. Yeah. So we're walking around. You got to know when to fight your battles. You got to know what battles to fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, and all those people probably, like, are very tied into that Lexington liberal scene. So 100%. Like, I don't want to get fired today. <laughs> but I wasn't going to go away without a little fight. Right. We got back in the sprinter and. They bait and switched me. They said... Uh, a lot of bait and switching going on. Yeah. On every, all sides. This person, the big dog, uh, we'll say, was commenting on Nancy Pelosi's leadership. So I was like, oh, okay, here's where I can... <laughs> here's where I can slide in there and be like... I was like, man, in my opinion, I think we need to get Pelosi and Schumer out of there. It's like, I don't really give a fuck, but I'm just like... Yeah, you're just trying to... You're trying. To <laughs> I'm show- trying to move these liberals at least an inch to the left. See, the thing is, when I because I have to do this every day at work too. When I say stuff like that, it's not even that I'm trying to move them to the left. I'm just trying to like they, <laughs> show yourself friendly. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying. I'm just trying just to bullshit show, a little bit. Just yes, bullshit a little bit. I'm just bit. trying to show them that I haven't completely like given up and retreated into right. just either revolutionary uh, what whatever or nihilism. Yeah, it's usually just me being like, oh, yeah, totally. I, th- I think, um, you know, I- anyways. <laughs> so uh, then they start this, the guy that's the, the, the one of my supervisors was like, uh, yeah, I think Pelosi's a great strategist. And in my head, I'm just thinking, it's like the Mr. Krabs meme or something. It's like, I'm, <laughs> there's a lot of things you can say about Nancy Pelosi, but good strategist is not even doesn't even hit the board <laughs> was she speaker of the house when they passed affordable care act i think she was i think so yeah 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 i think so 
I think she became speaker in what, like 2006? Or whenever the Democrats took the... Whenever they had the, like, they had the uh, mandate. There was a blue wave in 2006. There truly was a blue wave then. And then there was a bigger blue wave in 2008. Yeah. And that's when they ran shit and did nothing with it. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, I, I said... And then, like, I forgot that this guy is, like, from her state oh yeah and california friends and all this stuff and oh. just and just i got i got a, <laughs> i got a lecture about it a little bit not like it he means totally fine about it but like well that's just your opinion sir and i respect that well it was one of those <laughs> but it was also just like like how could you even make an argument that that pelosi and schumer have a good i mean like schumer's just like fucking just rubber stamping all of Trump's judiciary picks like the courts are completely conservative (laughs) and they're letting it happen because they think well this is how we get ahead just you know some some old fashioned compromise well and uh, go ahead I'm sorry well no you go ahead finish the uh, anecdote well fast forward you know and I you know kind of took a little L there by bagging on his girl Pelosi but then at the, the his speech that night <laughs> a couple of themes I picked up on that I was like, I am so detached from liberalism. Like, really, like I've, and it was talking about like, just because you got a Republican sticker doesn't mean you're a bad person. Just because you got a, a Democrat <laughs> sticker, you know, that, all that kind of like, we got to find common ground. All that totally. kind of line, platitudes. Like actually, in World War Two, we call that collaboration. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But you know, play on. Well, the funny thing to me about this, and I pointed, I remember pointing this out in 2014 in the Grimes, Allison Grimes and Mitch McConnell race, is that like... <clears throat> that was another thing he asked about. I was like, why didn't Allison Grimes win that race? Oh my God, man. We fought a civil war in this country. You realize, they didn't have a civil war in Canada. No. They, like, we fought a civil... We hate each other. That's an American pastime. Oh yeah, we've been hating each other. <laughs> like... What makes you think, I mean, even throwing aside all my beliefs, you know, about socialism and communism and everything else, all that aside, what makes you think that, like, running as Republican light would win? Like, I don't understand this. People want polarization. That's actually what they want in this country. Yeah, they see it as, <laughs> if, if you run as Republican light, you're kind of like, you know that episode King of the Hill when Hank Hill shakes George Bush's hand and he's got a weak handshake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the situation you're you're walking Look, into. We fought a civil war in this country over slavery, but the people who fought that war, the individuals, they weren't fighting it over slavery. They were fighting it because they fucking hated Southern Democrats. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it it has nothing to do with the underlying philosophical particulars. Right. It's all about like you know people talk, talk about tribalism and universal demands and all this stuff. It's just like. Nah, look, if you can get a critical mass of people, you can easily fucking fight a war. Oh, yeah. We've done it before. We'll do it again. I know the the sort of interior lives of, you know, these people, but it's that it just doesn't occur to them. No, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was it was kind of weird. It was like. I sat there and watched that, and and they and he was totally nice, and everybody was totally sweet. But I was also like, I used to believe this. Oh yeah, and I couldn't imagine a situation where I 
believed that. Well, the thing is, Tom, is that we used to believe it, but not even then, though. We still were never well, stupid we, enough. We, we knew something was rotten, but we didn't have an articulation for it until we discovered, or really, not even discovered, but, I mean, we discovered communism way early. But Well, it's, uh, they just, they're sort of, uh, you know, it's a sort of trite cliche point, but they're so isolated in their own little worlds that um, that they can't see that the liberal dream has died. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like th- this, this sort of became fully. Um, I don't know. It really sort of struck me this week when the Sessions Mueller protests or whatever were going on, and what really what struck me so much about it is that like history cannot move for them. They are stuck, like culturally, aesthetically, politically, philosophically, everything. They are stuck in a specific moment in like 2010 or something. 2006, that first blue wave. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) That's really, that's really, I think, when I remember, I remember watching Diane Sawyer in 2006 when they had Nancy Pelosi and maybe Chuck Schumer and Barack Obama, I think, he had already given his DNC speech in 2004, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And that was kind of his star-turning event. And then, like, he was getting interviewed and all this stuff before he was ever, you know, going to run around this stuff. And I remember feeling like, oh, gosh, okay, something great's coming. You know, like, it just had all the <laughs> momentum for it. Fast forward. <laughs> Nothing happened. We got we got <laughs> cat we got cash for clunkers. Uh, he banned clove cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> Terrence maintains that Obama banned clove cigarettes. <laughs> he did. It was literally, I think, the very first thing he signed in office. <laughs> and then what else was there? Uh, he banned four loco. Oh yeah, they no, also <laughs> they didn't ban four. <laughs> that is funny to me though that four loco was such a national crisis. Like remember we, that there's people still pining for them to bring the original formula. But you remember, like when you drink one, you just black the fuck out and wake up in a ditch somewhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> people are like, bring that back. <laughs> we could ban for loco. Oh, it's probably been made. This point has probably been made on Twitter, but we could ban for loco, but we can't ban guns <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and clove cigarettes. Oh, uh, what else was there? What else was there? Um, and then, well, and then you get just half dick measures like the ACA and all that kind of stuff. Frank Dodd, is that was that a thing? Dodd that they Frank. Did? Dodd Frank. <laughs> they had to switch it around because it sounded like a guy's name. A guy's kind. name, right? Dodd Frank. They did that. Yeah. They did some uh, some dotting and franking. Some dotting and franking. Whoo, baby! You sound like me when I try to answer a question about Dodd Frank. Yeah, there was some dotting and there was some franking. Wait, what, what was that? Was that when they reinstituted the barrier between investment banking and commercial? Uh, that sounds right. Banking. Something to do with that. Something <laughs> to do with banking. Glass Steagall. I don't. Yeah, that's the thing. Any time anybody p- brings any of this, the thing about like liberalism is you have to be so keyed into um, specific like bills and pieces of legislature and stuff. And I'm like, I just don't give a fuck about it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> the thing is, it's all theater. Yeah, and it's all theater. And all honestly, for every single like New Deal legislation and whatever, all you got to do is just wait long enough for the liberals to come back and undo it. Like, w- w- like the the biggest sort of achievement of Clinton's presidency was health care. <laughs> I'm sorry, welfare reform. Reform. Welfare we to call work. It reform, but it was he gutted welfare. Yeah, it was 
and expanded the carceral state. Like, conservatives, you know, they obviously, like, sort of created the conditions for all that, but liberals are the people <laughs> that brought it, That you know, well, hand-walked it into I mean, I, obviously, I'm not as well-versed in history as some people, but in the modern time, well, I don't know, because Jimmy Carter was pretty conservative, but... Jimmy Carter wanted some real local people. <laughs> we didn't even tell that story. <laughs> I, in my in my head in my head this weekend, I just heard Joe put the dog on him. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, that's a that's a funny thing when big wigs come to Eastern Kentucky. All you got to do is fi- find some real local people. Yeah, they love real local. They people. love real local people, dude. Yeah. They yeah. love it. If you if you could find somebody who has uh, an opinion that hasn't been filtered through like thirty de- uh, filters of brain poison Facebook whatever yeah. they love that shit they're like this is a real authentic person here uh, so you've got these real authentic people here in eastern Kentucky I Tom. remember when, Mo- when Morris Days came down here and uh, <laughs> I remember one of the things he said was like all these towns out here you know he talks like he's a plantation owner he does are uh, they're drying up and uh, but this place this place looks like it still has its heart about it a little bit. This place has still got a little bit of a heart and soul left. Yeah, it, t- it talks like Shelby Foot almost. Look, yeah, you could tell the uh, the modern advances of industrial economy and technology have not infiltrated these hollows and hills. <laughs> they have left people in another time. They are backwards, but they are authentic. We had it. We had <laughs> so many good runs. Remember when we said that? You know, because Morris Days is often credited with taking out the Ku Klux Klan. Totally. But <laughs> yeah, he, he won, like, you know, these landmark court cases against him, whatever, and, right. like, seriously hampered him. But our running joke was that he just hopped on his Indian motorcycle, Mad Max style, and just went and took out. <laughs> Had two, like, yeah. sawed-off Morris shotguns, like, crossed <laughs> in the back, and just he would just drive by and just slaughter 15 at a time. <laughs> The myth around Morris Dees is fucking hilarious. Way back when we first started the show, I have his autobiography at our office, and I brought it home because I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to sort of uh, roast it. You know what I mean? Do like a reading series thing yeah. about it. I spent, I spent the entire decade of the 1950s in a Tibetan monastery, <laughs> doing nothing but eating pussy, <laughs> <laughs> eating eating fruit that casts no shadow. <laughs> And by that I mean pussy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just more days just subsisted off pussy for ten straight years. Totally. That was my caloric intake. Trust me when I say. <laughs> more for context, I don't know if anybody even knows who Morris Dees is. He started the Southern Poverty Law Center. <laughs> He's kind of a recurring character in our own real universe here. <laughs> Nothing but fr- potato chips and pussy, and I don't even believe in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Morris Dees does not believe in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Please call this episode. Morris Dees doesn't believe in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Oh fuck! <laughs> Actually, don't call that because our buddies that know it probably get pissed <laughs> off at us. They 
They love to rush to defend all these. <laughs> they loved Morris D's, man. Yeah. That's a weird thing about it, though. It's like, damn, the Ku Klux Klan could just get sued into... If that's what they did, can't we just sue the alt-right? Into- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's what we need, dude. We got to bring we Morris got- D's out of retirement to sue Identity Europa and the Proud Boys and everybody. He's coming out of retirement, folks. <laughs> We go, me and you, we travel for like three months through like the harsh Tibetan wilderness, like we're trudging up mountains. We have mules, we have pack mules. You know what I mean? Like I've got a beard, we've got beards and they're frozen with icicles and everything. And um you know, we find this old we find this miserly old man who's like hundred and ten years old who like we're like, Can you take us to him? He's like, I can do that. Uh, you know, and and uh, we we encounter mountain lions on the way. We encounter all the m- most arduous things, and then we find this little rundown monastery shack, like way up in the Tibetan plateau. And there's just a few gardeners out front. You know what I mean? Some like, and inside is more steez. Just, <laughs> it's just you know, he's in the um, meditation pose or whatever, and he's just <laughs> he's just going to town. <laughs> Not even on actual pussy. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> a fucking a peach. <laughs> yeah, a peach. I've, I've been trying to keep my. We're just like Morris. <laughs> we need you, man. Society's falling apart. Yeah. You got to come out of retirement. Sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> my days are ordered. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Anyways. Real local people. We need to refine the Morris D's doesn't believe in the Holy Ghost bit a little bit <laughs> more. That's got legs. Totally. That's good. That's good. Um. So yeah, real local. Some real local people. Jimmy, Jimmy Carter called me. and says look for some real local people. That is a funny ass story though. Um. Jimmy Carter, peanut farmer from Georgia, was like, I know what I need. What well, what they were like passing some sort of like legislation? What well, well, I don't even remember what it was. Was it the the uh, smacker in the rose garden? No. <laughs> God damn! If I have to hear some fucking environment, Eastern Kentucky environmental person, be like, like pulling rank on some young enviro. If I say I was in the rose garden, Jimmy Carter signed smacker. It's like you, well, you want a goddamn cookie for that? Like it did nothing. <laughs> I think it was when they were, um, it had something to do with South America. It had something to do with, like, uh, before, before I get too down the road about this, uh, that's another sure fire, fire sign that our whole system is just bullshit. What? Law, law, laws, the shit that's signed into law, you can, write, you can set your watch back. It's going to be undone in yeah, no time. It totally <laughs> will be. Well, and it's also, though, like for a group of people that put so much faith in the idea of the you know the arc of the moral universe bending towards justice and everything. It's like, did they not, have they not noticed how like every, the Civil Rights Act, um, you know, welfare reform, everything, you know, every sort of, piece of legislation passed between 1930 and 1965 has been systematically just dismantled or just rendered ineffectual ow that hurt yeah man podcasting too hard I'm gonna get a chipped tooth I'll give you a little character <laughs> man 
If I chipped a tooth from podcasting, I look like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I was gonna say Nas, but yeah, Nas, Nas chipped a tooth. You know he's got the chipped tooth. That's his. That's his trademark. Does he really? Yeah. Damn. We don't fuck with Nas in this show. He's a wife beater. Yeah. Fuck Nas. Um. Damn. So real. So on that note, Jay Z won that goddamn. Battle. <laughs> Every time I'm not going to relitigate this, <laughs> but anybody that thinks that Nas beat Jay Z in that battle is a fucking idiot. Every time we bring this up, you say I'm not going to relitigate it, and then you wind up relitigating. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Sexton, the one man who hasn't let the J- Nas Jay Z beef go by without comment. <laughs> Since Nothing pisses me off worse. No, a few things make my blood boil than somebody saying Nas won Nas that won battle. That. Well, it's because it's like, it's like anybody who tries to say that like Neil Young's a better guitar player than like uh, fucking Jimmy Page or some shit. Dude, I don't. I love Neil Young way more. Neil than Young Jimmy Page. is a better guitar player than Jimmy Page. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, maybe not technically. <laughs> yes, he's a better he, songwriter. Listen, if you make better music, you're. Be- I don't care. I don't care if you have. <laughs> Goddamn, uh, John so, uh, Frusconti can fucking make that motherfucker talk, but I don't like Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't like any of that bullshit. That's true. I, oh, I guess what I mean is that some of Neil Young's guitar solos are really just are literally just one note, like it works, man. It works. Trust me, I love it. I'd listen to Neil Young seven days out of the week over Led Zeppelin. You know, I mean, I'm fucking, I fuck with Neil Young. No one, I fuck with Neil. No one fucks with Neil Young. Harder than me. <laughs> Remember when Willie Davis said Neil Young sucked and Bob Dylan rules? That's just the biggest self-owned. Okay, that's probably a pretty good, uh, pretty good comparison to the Jay Z Nas thing. But Nas is nowhere near Bob Dylan. Well, some people just—I guess the point is—some people just have opinions. I don't know. I would say Nas is probably Nas is a very heralded figure in hip hop. I would say he is a Bob Dylan-esque figure. Well, but he's nowhere job. near as prolific. And that's the thing. Who the fuck is? True. Bob Dylan has like 80 albums. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Still, and they keep coming. Uh, right. I like Bob Dylan. I like Neil Young probably more. Uh, I fucking hate Bob Dylan. Do you really? Damn. This has become my least favorite type of content. Wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> talking about shit. Okay. Take all that talking out. Talking about shit. People like. No, I'm not taking anything <laughs> out. Um, but real local people. Back to the speech. You didn't finish the story about the speech, I don't think. Oh well, I, it's just it was just peppered with like come together tropes and like finding common ground and like that's going to be the way forward. <laughs> and in my head, I'm th- just thinking, no, no, nah, that's a that's a no for me, bro. <laughs> so that was kind of it. Well, the thing is, anticlimactic, is, I know, but it's like I said earlier, though. Like they're stuck in another time, man. History cannot move for them. They're not, but they're not though. Like you said, like there has never been a time where like we were that within a range of debate. And it, if we were, then the Democrats were not doing their job and were corrupt. Right. Well, I'm saying for them, they think that um, this is not an original point, but they are stuck in a time when politics, when they thought that politics was some sort of. Uh, game that the higher nobility the, the honorable people of ours they have a very aristocratic view of politics it is just a formality yet another ways. reason why we need to ditch electoralism but no yeah you're right you're right like because honestly <laughs> it's just modeled after rome and like 
English aristocracy. Well, and the thing is, is that, like, I'm not sure how much longer they can keep up this pretense. And that's the thing that's so interesting to me about it. And it's why, literally, on Twitter earlier this week, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if in five years they were bombing post offices because, like, I don't... If we want to radicalize the libs, (laughs) this is the way to go. Well, I just mean that, like... I wonder if in five years they're going to start becoming. I don't even view that as radical, I, like as a form of nihilism. Like I don't see how they could keep up this pretense for much longer because it's becoming more and more obvious that, you know, that the fix is in. The fix is in, right, right. And you saw it on the face of that one. You know, you saw it on the face of that one woman. Uh, like I can't believe after March for Jeff Sessions. <laughs> you can see it in her face. <laughs> It was just this sort of like pure disillusionment. Totally, it was this like emptied out, just vacant, sort of incredulous face. You know what I mean? That like, I don't know. It was just very disturbing. But I, I don't see. Okay, what I guess what I mean is that I've noticed this with a lot of my coworkers. Every time I talk to them, it's bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. It is never any kind of silver lining or anything like that. It's always it is just this endless spiraling pit of despair and hopelessness where things just get worse and worse and worse and and so I'm like well what's your solution then like okay we both seem to agree that things are getting worse like what's the solution and their solution is just run Beto in 2020 you know what I mean it's it's weird it's like okay if that's your opinion I respect it whatever but surely you have to admit at some point that that is you know what I mean it's woefully inadequate to dealing with any of this if you're a smart, intellectual, reasonable person, you would see that eventually. And if they don't, what I'm afraid of is that they're going to just sort of fall back into some sort of like nihilism where they either just like totally disengage from it altogether or they start bombing post offices. <laughs> and let's hope for the sake of our... Do you think, do you think if Beto doesn't beat Trump in 2020... <laughs> Libs are gonna start bombing post offices. That's your. That's your. That's your. You're the swami. That's your crystal ball projection. Well, it may not be literally that, but it is like they're going to. They will enter a realm of nihilism that has some truly dark implications. I think. Well, I guess maybe they'll just straight up maybe just become conservatives. You know, like the the idea of the like the loyal opposition and and it's all and it's just sort of like institutional or whatever. You know, I made this tweet a few weeks, a few months ago or whatever that was like, it's become easier. You know, it's the Frederick Jameson line about capitalism. It's become easier to envision the end of the world than the end of capitalism. I also kind of think that about the Democrats, or I did at one point. Like, it's become easier to envision the end of the world than the Democrats. But I'm actually kind of starting to see now that it might be starting to unravel for them, their hegemony and everything. I'm, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just I'm sort of optimistic today and I'm feeling a little cheery, a little more cheery than I was last week, but... So you're endorsing Beto 2020? Yeah, yeah I'm endorsing Beto 2020. <laughs> uh, Beto and his running mate. Um, Who would be the best running mate for Beto? They'll they'll probably yeah, no. Do, he needs like the schlubbiest, like just like you know, like guy that looks like he hasn't showered and has you know what I'm saying? Like like Beto is like the nurturing like <laughs> uncle. You know what I mean? <laughs> And he needs his, like, schlubby sidekick that's going to, like, you know. Interesting. So you think he needs somebody who... Like, every guy that dashing has, like, a just a, you know, kind of a pudgy, homely, like, funny, like, the funny fat guy sidekick. <laughs> like a Jonah Hill type character or something. Like a, yeah, well, yeah. Or a Seth Rogen type guy. Yeah, except Jonah Hill's hot now, so. Yeah, he is hot now. Fuck. 
How does that happen, man? That's crazy to me that you can have so much money you can just get hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get like him. Oh fuck. Um but yeah. Yeah, that's pretty funny, man. Um Politics, baby. Well, so yeah, what uh speaking of uh, here's another sort of liberal thing, a liberal brain disease from the week. Is the uh, did you see where like M- Alyssa Milano and um, that's like some other white lib was like backing out of the women's march because like Linda Sarsour and a few others refused to um, disown or or um, take a stance against Farrakhan. Did you see that? No. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I mean, what 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 what. What happened in the last... Was it the Pittsburgh shooting? Like, why has Farrakhan re-entered the discourse? Like, what Dude, what, a, what about it in the last few it's weeks? It's a head fake. A head fake? <laughs> well, they, before they would take, like, you know, white supremacists to tasks, prominent ones. I mean, it's, it's just like Louis Farrakhan just a stand-in. It's just like, what was the thing last week? Where it was like... What? Was it about, like... Him and his anti Like, what was the thing about, like, Louis Farrakhan? Like, how, oh, how did Louis Farrakhan even come on the damn scene? Maggie Haberman had something oh, right. that Maggie was Haberman's like, are. the left needs to denounce Farrakhan, and, and everybody's like, Farrakhan's not on the left. No, Farrakhan's not on the left. But here, Farrakhan's one of those guys, and here's a little disclaimer here. I actually knew Farrakhan's grandson for oh, a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mustafa. Big I was going to say Kenneth Farid. I don't know why I thought that was... <laughs> not Farrakhan's grandson. <laughs> But uh, you know, I one one thing that I remember talking to him about briefly was that like, you know, he doesn't agree with his granddad's position, but his granddad has a strong position for why he feels about white people the way he feels. We didn't touch the Jew thing, but uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> just so you know, we're not talking about Jewish people. We're talking about white people. We're just talking right. about his right his thing. So you know how like in NOI theology there's, you know, this origin story about white people being, you know. Devils, devils right? yeah, right. And produced on an island by Jacob. And see, the thing is, I, I, can meet half, I can meet him halfway there. I can about get there with him. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so he was just talking about how that some beach that he visited when he was a kid, his Louis Farrakhan, had a sign that said, no dogs, no Jews. Only it didn't use Jews; it used the derogatory uh, right. word, and no N word. And so he said that left an impression on him. And you know, do you know anything about the guy who started the Nation of Islam? Clarence Thirteen X. No, Wallace D. Wallace Fard Muhammad. It was Clarence Thirteen X, right? Is that his name? No, I don't know if he ever took that name. This is for my, uh, oh, I don't know who Clarence 13X is. Maybe Clarence. I want to change my name to Terrence 13X. Uh, no, he's a leader of the, uh, he started 5% Nation, which is not. Oh, okay, yeah, Clarence 13X was a 5%. Yeah. It spun of off of NOI. No, the Nation of Islam was started by this guy. So this is for all my Unsolved Mystery uh, fans out there. Because 
I spent a lot of time. This is the guy that assassinated Malcolm X. Mm-mm. Right? No. Technically, Farrakhan probably assassinated Malcolm X. Well, not literally, but he probably put the hit out. Probably ordered. Okay. No, Wallace D. Wallace. I used to know a lot more about like the Islamic alphabetology and all these kind of right, like apostate Islam religions. Right. How? Why? <laughs> I got into his research area for a while. Uh, you know, Louis Farrakhan has a lot of good calypso records. Really? Yeah, he was a. Oh, he's a musician. popular musician. He's also an incredible violinist. Yeah. I saw a video circulating him the other day of him playing like some he's Mendelssohn. Am- amazing, but it's like... That's so... It's like f- kind of... Ha- it's like pretty hateful stuff sometimes, but like it's pretty good. So random. No, um, no this is for my, my homies out there who spend a lot of time on the Unresolved Mysteries Reddit. Unresolved. Um, yeah, yeah, Unresolved. I don't know why they didn't put Unsolved Mysteries. It's Unresolved. <laughs> But uh, a huge unsolved mystery is what happened to Wallace D. Fard, also known as Wallace Fard Muhammad. He arrived, and this is the thing, nobody really knows where he came from either. He sort of came out of obscurity and nowhere and disappeared into obscurity and nowhere. Um, No, I, I think Elijah Muhammad is probably who you're thinking of, actually probably ordered the hit on Malcolm X. Elijah Muhammad and Wallace Fard Muhammad started the Nation of Islam. He arrived in Detroit in 1930 with an obscure background and several aliases and taught an idiosyncratic form of Islam to members of the city's black population. He was also known as being a seller of silk, incense, and perfume and was described as an Arab or Middle Eastern man. Who is this again? This is Wallace Fard Muhammad. Wallace Fard. Yeah. But remembered as being a light-skinned black man by leaders of the Nation of Islam, and it's even that is true. Yeah, I forgot. Like, th- didn't he say like he was Egyptian or? It's it's even um, sort of postulated that he might have actually been a white guy. He might have been a sort of Dolezal type figure back in the thirties, like Pat trying to pass, because he was you know kind of a grifter. It sounds like, but the thing is. He was last seen in 1933 by Elijah Muhammad when Fard took off in an airplane from the Detroit airport. Never heard from him again. Nobody ever heard from him again. That's it. He came to Detroit in three, in three years. He started preaching in lib- living rooms. At, uh, this sort of like form of... it's. He was basically like podcasting. He's basically doing he what was, we're doing now. So you think... <laughs> like a, fee, a sort of hybrid... You think he was the first podcaster? In, in many ways he was. He would have like living room sermons... Where he he early on fused some sort of elements of Islam and Christianity and other religions, right. um, and then started tr- and then started gaining a following yeah. in Detroit, and then uh, you know hooked up with Elijah Muhammad and they started the Nation of Islam and then he just disappeared. Man, these are fascinating. There's a, there's a um, book it's essays on the margins of Islam by Peter Lamborn Wilson that I I, I read and, and this is how I kind of got into this stuff. But another figure that's fascinating is: Have you ever read about Malachi York? No. The the leader of the New Wabians. No. Oh, he's a, he's a dandy. Malachi York. Malachi Doctor Malachi Z York. How do you spell Malachi? M A L A C H I. Malachi York. Yeah. Malachi Z York. Hold on. Or Dwight York, also known as Dwight York. Dwight D York, also known as Malachi Z York. Yeah. Issa Al-Hadi Al-Madi, Dr. York, is an American musician and writer who is known as the founding leader of various religious political groups, including most notably the cult New Wabian Movement. He is also a convicted child molester. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah you gotta. 
Wow. Um, oh, and he's actually in prison. He's at USP Florence in Florence, Colorado, um, serving a 135-year sentence because he was convicted in 2004 of child molestation and violations of rack. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Well, you know, like, it's crazy, man. Like, and I, I sort of wonder, I worry about this with the podcast sometimes. I'm like, what if we just become cult leaders? <laughs> Uh, what if we become like Elijah if that ever, if that ever um. <laughs> hopefully I mean I don't end up in USP Florence for child molestation but <laughs> I'm, I'm not ruling it out at this point <laughs> okay alright um, we should we should talk more about that sometime soon though. it's pretty fascinating history what Malachi Z York well just just like the sort of inner city mystery you know apostate Islam religions Mm. Not that we're qualified to even speak on that stuff, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's tr- totally. Um, so just before we go, though, speaking of unsolved mysteries, I, this was sent to me by Mike. <laughs> by somebody I don't know. By somebody I do not know. Our good buddy Mike sent me this. My bandmate in tenure, who you can come watch this Friday at Summit City Lounge, motherfucker. Um, this is a this is a unsolved mystery that intersects with Letcher County, and he just found this randomly, just looking at the because the funny really? th- yeah the funny thing about this is me and Mike have been on the unresolved mysteries Reddit for a while, and we even interacted with each other multiple times and had no idea it was each other. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> William Woolheater was last seen on February twenty sixth, nineteen eighty one. He lived in Albany, New York until deciding to move to New New Orleans to work as a cook. His last known contact was a brief phone call to his mother a few days after he was supposed to leave for New Orleans. And every report I see on this case mentions that he never told her whether or not he actually made it there. Police apparently have no idea where he was at the time of the call. Um, Are you familiar with this podcast, My Favorite Murder? Everybody loves it. Yeah, I've I've seen it when I check out our Patreon rankings. It's terrible. Um... (laughs) <laughs> this is what our show is going to become. It's just me telling you on soft mysteries, <laughs> which is fucking stupid because like we're way better than they are, dude. That podcast sucks. <laughs> it's really, really boring, and it's also like really pro police and uh, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Which, if anybody's ever spent any time on unsolved mysteries, you'll know that the vast majority of mysteries go unsolved because of police. Yeah, because they're <laughs> terrible detectives or. As many people have pointed out before, most serial killers are probably just cops. But oh, yeah. um, Police apparently have no idea where he was at the time of the call. Times Union reports that it is unknown whether he even got on a bus. After this, he was never seen or heard from again. Police are still looking for leads as of 2017, 36 years later. William, who also went by Willie, was 22 and lived with bipolar disorder that he had been hospitalized for. And here's another sort of common theme in a lot of unsolved mysteries. You know, mental illness, bipolar disorder, right. somebody goes off their meds and they, you know, become disoriented and wind up who knows where. At the time of his disappearance, he was on medication. He also had a prior arrest in California where he was living, visiting, living with a relative for walking in traffic while intoxicated. Blah, 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 blah. But here is the thing. There is, here's the thing, um, you know, a lot of people try to solve where these people wound up, whatever. There is one John Doe that strikes me as likely. This man found in Letcher County, Kentucky. Height, 
weight and a nose fracture matches up and the sketch looks uncannily similar. On the other hand, the other fractures don't quite line up. Joe Bug? Dude. Well, he was, the body was found on Pine Mountain. So, I mean, it, uh. So he definitely was here. Yeah, well, they got a picture of him and dude, these photos are always creepy as fuck. I mean, obviously, like anytime you see a picture like that, it's gonna creep you the fuck out. But that's the John Doe they found on Pine Mountain. That's an unidentified body they found on Pine Mountain. And it's very, it's, you know, from reading that post, it's possible that that was the guy. He wound up in Letcher County, Kentucky. How the fuck? There's no inclination as to why. Wow. Pretty crazy, man. Wow. Totally. Yeah, we're, um, let's read, dude, fuck. Let's get out of politics. Let's get into true yeah, crime. Yeah, yeah, we need to get into true Let's crime. Let's get into we need true a new, crime. We need a new thing. We need a new thing. Season three, man, is going to be true, true crime. <laughs> this is not a podcast. This is not a left politics podcast anymore. <laughs> this is true crime, baby. Hey, another good Letcher County one is Edgar Sumter. Go read that shit. I think you sent me this one not long ago. Edgar or you were telling Sumter's me about it. Edgar fucking crazy. Is this the one on Pine Creek? Yeah, dude, he fucking uh, stabbed his dad in the head 18 times with a Phillips head screwdriver, or a flathead screwdriver. Fuck. And then just never was found. He he's still He's still out there. He's on the run? Yeah, How long he's ago still out there. I was in high school. Dude, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, that my favorite murder podcast is this. That's all they do. They just talk about like this, like about a case like this. Okay. Well, And people love it, dude. They go. They have like live shows. I'm like, how the fuck does anybody go to like listen to two people talk about? But people do. They love it. That's what we need to do, man. Season three. Our Patreon skyrocket. Yeah. Listen, folks. We're gonna. Our work's done here. Now we're in true crime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're at an hour and nine minutes. So let's uh. Let's nix it there. Let's nix it there. Thanks for listening this week, everybody, and. Come to the show on Friday. Friday, November 16th. This Friday. Yes. Come to the show, motherfuckers. You're a fool to think your dick would work. Third day. Fast 52. All right. We'll maybe even sing a few Steely Dan songs like that. But anyways, uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Bye. See y'all.